following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Call to Worship is from Genesis 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And then there was evening and morning, the first day. Now I have our reading, um, another reading from Genesis. All right, and this one is starting, it, the he is uh, talking about Jacob, so that you know. All right. The same night, he got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his 11 children and caught, crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he stuck him. He struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and you and have prevailed. Hey, everybody. Uh, yes, I was playing music live in the sanctuary just a minute ago, and uh, I've pre-recorded the sermon. I'm sorry if that's disorienting. Um, this is one of those instances where we take something that's maybe not the greatest thing in the world, you know worshiping remotely, and we turn it into a feature. And this makes um, a pretty full Sunday a little easier for me if I can uh, do the sermon now. And it's Saturday night uh, in my world. So I've been thinking about sleep lately. I, I don't know how well you've been sleeping. Have you been sleeping okay? I have been sleeping a little better lately than I was for a while there. And it's really interesting how much stuff happens in our bodies when we sleep. And anybody who has insomnia or who has been having trouble sleeping for any reason can tell you. When you don't sleep enough, it definitely messes up all kinds of other things. But when we go to sleep, uh, all throughout the night, uh, our heart rate, our breathing rate, our blood pressure, they all rise and fall. And this can actually help our cardiovascular health. Um, during the night, while we're asleep, our body releases hormones that help repair our cells and uh, control of the, our body's use of energy. Sleep can even, uh, this is amazing, I, I read that sleep can even increase the effectiveness of vaccinations. So I saw this one study that compared two groups of people who had all received the flu vaccine, but one group slept better than the other group, and the more well-rested group developed, um, on the whole, stronger protection against the flu. Same vaccine. It's wild. Um, and I'm sure that there are other studies that would back up what I know just from my own experience uh, over the years. 
which is that when my brain is stuck on a problem and I, I work and work and work and work but cannot figure it out, very often the solution is simply to go to sleep. And when I get out of my own way and let my, my mind kind of shut down for the night, I, I seem to figure it out somehow while I'm asleep and I wake up either with the solution or with the next step to take along the way. So for several weeks now, we've been in this, uh, this series called Gradual Light, uh, in which I've talked about the idea of God's light shining in the darkness and about how this can come in the form of a single realization or conversion. This whole series started with um, the, day after, the first Sunday after Epiphany, so the idea of having an Epiphany. Uh, about how it should normally continue in a progressive revelation throughout your life of faith. Um, that this light comes not just one time, but throughout your life. I talked about how um, even how God's light can shine through us uh, onto others. You know, always, of course, wanting to f- you know filter that through the the idea of Christ-like humility. Of course, but the idea of shining, our, letting our light shine before other people. And the whole concept of this series has been that these uh, these lightnings don't usually happen instantaneously, like a light bulb going on. They're usually more gradual, uh, like how we see um, a few more minutes of daylight each day after the winter solstice happens. By the way, have you noticed? Um, maybe it's maybe it's uh, been something that you've been more attuned to since I've been talking about it. Have you noticed that the days are getting a little bit longer now? Took a while before we could notice it, but I'm starting to see it. Uh, I'll look up in the afternoon and I'll go, "Hey, it's not dark yet. That's pretty great, right?" So gradual light—that's been the, the the theme of this series. But today, to conclude the series, I want to talk for just a few minutes about reclaiming the darkness. Not rushing on to light, but reclaiming the darkness. And and I've spoken, I mean, I've spoken a few times uh, during this series, especially over the last couple of weeks, about how we ought to be careful and gentle with the language of light and dark when applied to spiritual truths. Uh, you know, being aware of how the association between darkness and evil can be hurtful or even damaging to people whose skin is darker in color than ours, um, than mine. Um, and that's true for sure, but I want to go in a different direction today when I think about reclaiming the darkness. And I, I want to try to help us to see that the darkness, the night, the long winter of our lives that we experience sometimes and which we seem to be experiencing as a, a world right now, these can actually be good and necessary seasons for us to go through with God. That in fact, God is not only uh, present in the darkness, but very often does some important work in us in the darkness. Much the same way that our bodies receive much needed repair and restoration while we are sleeping. And I have three vignettes from scripture that I will offer to you quite briefly um, in hopes that they will inspire you to think about your own experience of darkness, whether it's related to the pandemic and all of the the season that we've been going through um, as a people, or whether it's something more specific in your life right now. 
And I hope that it'll inspire you to think about whether it might be worth taking your attention off of the idea of waiting for the light and instead think about a way to surrender to the work of God in your life in the darkness in this season. But before I get into the scripture, uh, I want to give you a little preview of what will happen next week on the 6th of February. First of all, next week, as promised, we will be back in person at the Artisan Building. Now, as we anticipated when we made the decision to go fully remote for the month of January, the COVID infection rates in our county are dropping very sharply. Just as sharply as they went up, they are now coming down. We are definitely past the peak of the Omicron wave. Um, <clears throat> and of course, that doesn't mean that we don't still need to be careful uh, and cautious and loving of our neighbors and um, particularly around people who are uh, at higher risk for um, due to their age or immunocompromised status and that sort of thing. Um, but we do feel that it's much safer to meet in person now and much more responsible to meet in person starting next week than it was throughout this month of January. So the timing worked out just as we had anticipated. So if you choose to join us in person next week, it'll look just like it did on January 2nd. We'll meet at 10 a.m. Masks will be required while you're inside the building. And we will keep the Zoom and Facebook machines running uh, and fired up for people who can't be with us in person or who don't feel ready to be uh, with us in person or for whatever reason prefer to worship online that week or any week. You know, in the service, what will happen um, in lieu of a traditional sermon is that we're going to debrief and share together um, <clears throat> stories of darkness and of light. Because this is such a real thing for us, isn't it? Um, it's been such a long season of f often feeling like we are in the darkness. And I fully believe that hearing from each other about how we have seen God's light in the midst of all of this will be incredibly meaningful for our community. Not to mention the stories of how God has been present even when the light has been absent. And of course, um, since we're committed to this hybrid model, um, <clears throat> there will be an in-person sharing option and there'll be a separate online Zoom sharing option. So either way, we have you covered. Uh, I would say that if you usually join us on Facebook Live, you might switch over to Zoom at least for next week so that you can be part of that online sharing. I don't know what will happen in the comments section on Facebook Live, but um, we're going to try to definitely cultivate something specific on Zoom. So I hope you'll join us one week from uh, today for the return of in-person worship and for what I expect will be a profound time of community sharing. So um, let's talk uh, a little bit about these scripture passages that I want to share with you and about how we can reclaim the darkness. I want to use uh, three Bible stories to propose three simple ideas. And this is one of those rare sermons where I actually have a three-point sermon with alliteration. That's not really my style, as you know. Um, but here's what I want to do. I want to say that in the darkness, God does three things. God creates, God changes us, and God clarifies. So... Uh, I realized as I was typing that out that um, it's not actually alliteration. The C-H doesn't sound like the other C's. 
so I guess it's more of a mnemonic device than an alliteration. But it's basically, uh, they all start with the same letter, and there's three of them. That's that's as close as I'm going to get to the, the standard three-point sermon. Um, at any rate, these three ideas are based on the two scripture passages that you've already heard read in the service today, and on a third one that I will read you um, at the end of the sermon. The first idea, God creates. In the darkness, God creates. It's the very first sentence in the whole Bible. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep. (laughs) You know, in seminary, I learned a bunch of uh, fancy Latin phrases. It was um, a class called How to Sound Like You're Smarter Than You Are. Not really, but, you know, that was the result of learning some of these Latin phrases. And this particular one that I'm thinking of right now is ex nihilo, right? It means out of nothing. And it talks about how God created ex nihilo. God created out of nothing. And it's the same root of the word nihilist or nihilism, right? The philosophy of nothingness. So it might be more powerful to say that God, in creating uh, ex nihilo, God creates out of nothingness. The very first page of Holy Scripture contains a story about God making something out of nothingness. And the something that God made out of nothingness, you know, it, it was the entire universe. You know, it's the first miracle, the first mystery of existence, something that we still don't fully understand. And it came out of darkness. Not just a dark room or a dark season, but a dark everything. So in light of this story, in light of this story, pun not intended, perhaps today you might think about what God could create in you in the depths of the darkness of the nothingness that you might be experiencing right now. If that is what you are experiencing right now, please know that the God of the universe created all that it contains. Ex nihilo, out of nothingness. There is no nothing deep enough to prevent God from making something new in you. So the second story I want to share with you, which you heard read earlier in the service, is from Genesis 32. And it's a story that tells us that in the darkness, God changes us. Specifically, in that story from Genesis 32, God changed Jacob's name. Now, maybe this is a story that you um, already knew before you sat down to worship with us today. Um, And it's the story of Jacob, who was the grandson uh, grandson of Abraham, um, who received that first call from God that God would make a great nation out of um, Abraham and his descendants. That Jacob, who is Abraham's grandson, spends the whole night wrestling with a stranger. And at daybreak, the man said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob. But Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. So, in this dark night of striving, Jacob is changed. 
He's given an entirely new name. And the name he's given is Israel, which of course is the source of the name for the entire nation of uh, of people, for all of Abraham's descendants through Jacob. The Hebrew people are now known as the Israelites. And this is not a whimsical name change. The name Israel, it literally means the one who strives with God. So think about it. Not only did God change Jacob in the darkness, but Jacob's very identity and the identity of the entire family of God now has become one of striving with God, of struggling against God. And I think we Christians would do well to remember that our religious heritage comes through this family that was named for pulling all-nighters of struggle against God. And so my questions for you in this story are, what might God be wanting to change in you during this dark night of the soul that you might be experiencing? What new identity might be waiting for you when the morning finally breaks? Oh, and and also, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't stop struggling. It's not wrong to strive with God. You might say it's part of what it means to love and serve God, actually. So in the darkness, God creates, and in the darkness, God changes us. And the third one that I want to tell you is that in the darkness, God clarifies. And for this story, I want to read, uh, for this this one, I'm going to read to you a gospel story, the story of Jesus. This is um, Mark chapter 14, verses 27 uh, through 37. And I apologize for not getting this on the screen, this text for you, but hopefully you'll follow along okay with me just reading it. It's a pretty familiar story. Probably you will recognize elements of it, even if you don't know the whole story. And remember, in this story, God is clarifying something. Jesus said to his disciples, You will all become deserters, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though all become deserters, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this day, this very night, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said vehemently, Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all of them said the same. Then they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to be distressed and agitated. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and keep awake. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. 
He came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, which was his original name, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep awake one hour? So Jesus, in this moment of deep anguish and distress, after bringing his closest friends up the mountain to this moment with him and asking them to stay awake with him, he finds them asleep. And he says, could you not stay awake for just one hour? This must have been such a heartbreaking moment for Jesus. You know, Christian... Orthodox Christian theology teaches that Jesus is fully God and fully human, which means that Jesus is having the full experience of human existence in this moment. Right? There's, there's not some way that he can remove himself from the fullness of this pain, right? which um, those of us who've lived very much time on this earth have experienced some version of. Right? The, the betrayal of a friend, the failure of a friend, Um, if not an outright betrayal, the failure of a friend to sit with us in the moment of our deepest anguish, to stay awake for just one hour with us. It must have been so heartbreaking. And yet, I think as is so often the case in those moments, Jesus received some clarity. He knew what he had to do. He had had it out with God. He had had his Jacob kind of moment wrestling against the Father and saying, please take this cup from me, but ultimately saying, I will pass through this darkness, whatever it might be, whatever you have for me. And the the arresting officers were not far away. Very soon he's going to be taken into custody and the, the process will start and he's headed to the cross. And in that garden, Jesus received clarity about who was there for him and with him, God, and who was not there for him and with him, not fully, his disciples, his friends. And he received clarity that for him, the darkness was not actually over yet. It was about to get darker. It doesn't get much darker than three days in the grave. And yet, we believe on faith that this darkness was not the end. That this death was not the end. That the God who creates whole worlds out of nothingness is a God of resurrection and of hope and of recreation and of restoration. And if you know some of the rest of the story of the Christian scriptures, you know that even Peter turned out okay and went on to do great things for Jesus. And so my final set of questions for you, as you ponder how we might reclaim the darkness, start like this. What if, what if you have to be in the dark a little while longer? What if the darkness is actually not moving toward light just yet, and in fact will need to deepen somewhat? 
What if all of that has to happen so that you can see the resurrected hope that emerges on the other side? And what if every betrayal will be ultimately reversed? What if every relationship will be ultimately restored? What if every life will be ultimately remade? We dare to pray that it might be true for us. May it be true for you that you see in the darkness God creating, God changing, God clarifying. And may it be soon, O Lord. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.